From Relay FM, this is Downstream, a podcast about the present and future of streaming media. This is episode number 62, recorded February the 9th, 2023. I am your master of ceremonies, Jason Snell. And with me, as always, is Julia Alexander, Director of Strategy at Parrot Analytics and a columnist at Puck News. Hi, Julia. Hey, Jason. How are you? Doing good. Doing good. Busy time for me. Busy time for you. We did our we did our little uh, three week shuffle. So thank you to everybody yep. out there. We we sort of skipped an episode and yeah and and but now we're back. We ready, took a little ready to go. A little vacation. Although you and I both worked, I'm, so it wasn't a vacation. It wasn't at all. We just did other <laughs> our other jobs. <laughs> However, I am glad that we waited three weeks, and the reason mm-hmm. is. That that we would have otherwise, I think, missed this story and had to wait another week to talk about it, which is our top story of uh, of this podcast and a weird one. Mm-hmm. A ESPN, Fox, and Warner Brothers Discovery announced that they are creating a joint venture, which will be a streaming service for sports, bundling content from all major leagues that the, the content that they've got the rights to obviously into a single service including linear channels including espn mm-hmm. huge story maybe or maybe not but i i wanted to talk it through with you and i wanted to uh see how you feel about this thing because just to tick off a few items that we could discuss first off Got some who got some Hulu vibes. Got some yeah. arch enemies coming together to make a thing on the internet because they don't know what to do. Vibe a little bit. Um, Spulu. We're gonna call it Spulu. Yeah, yeah, sure, okay. It, you know what? You can get George Decay and just call it Sulu. But unfortunately, Paramount Global not a part of this. <laughs> um, rights are non-exclusive. So, like Bob Iger says that they're still gonna do the separate ESPN service, but it's gonna be like at the end of next year. So it's available. Stuff may be available separately, but plus in this, the price estimates are all over the place. It might be somewhat cheaper than YouTube TV, but like not dramatically cheaper. This is not going to be a $15 a month kind of deal here. There's no CBS or, or NBC as a mm-hmm. part of this. Paramount Global and uh, and Comcast apparently not even contacted by the other one. I mean, ouch, that hurts. And... Um, and then, and this is my way into our conversation about it. First thing I thought when I saw this was, is this basically a sports VMPVD? In other words, a sports YouTube TV, a sports Hulu plus live TV, where they are basically just putting a, a TBD, by the way, not yet, dis- you know, planned brand wrapped around a bundle. Like, like, uh, I don't know. It's such a weird, it's such a weird thing. What, what? What's going on here? What do you think about this? I, I, yeah, it's weird is a good way of putting it, Jason. That's a good word. I, I think it's weird. Here's here's the thing that I keep leading with, right? And I keep thinking about this, and I and I've sent this over to some friends who work at Disney. If my calculation is correct, because they haven't announced anything, and this will this will change, I'm sure, and I'm sure Jason will agree with me on this. Something this this will change. But if everything stays as is, based on current announcements and current timelines, by this. By, by by next fall, so fall 2025, mm-hmm. Disney will have, in some capacity, five different sports streaming services. Disney will have ESPN Plus, ESPN OTT, whatever this bundle ends up being called. Let's call it Sports Plus 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 mm-hmm. or Spulu. Um, it'll also have NHL games still on Hulu and, and mm. Hulu Live TV. Yes. And the thing that Jason pointed out, which is spot on, 
And this is what I keep coming back to is like, it's, it's, it's not just basically a sports, you know, MP, MPVD. It, it is that. And, and so yeah, right? if you're looking, if you're looking at it, the thing is, Nothing here is exclusive that isn't also on like YouTube TV and right. you're also getting more on YouTube TV. Like like there's this level of okay, if I'm going to spend let's say hypothetically $45, right? That's kind of the estimates I've seen being between four between 35 which feels low, 40 feels right and then 45 kind of feels like the high end. I think YouTube TV is like 70, right? So so it's 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 a notable difference in terms of a monthly fee. And if you're like I really only need sports, but it doesn't solve for the major sports fans, in my opinion, it solves for people who want who are fans of national teams and are kind of like I get access to. I think the the recent number I saw was fifty five percent of the sports ecosystem in the United States. Hmm. So this is like my way into that. But if you're a local fan, this is something Jason and I talk about all the time on the show because we're both local fans. If you're a local fan, you still don't necessarily have access to your in network game, Correct. right? Like in market game, like you're still having to spend money on getting that local team. Yeah. And so YouTube TV also does not typically solve for this. I think Jason and I have spoken about this and Jason, correct me if I'm wrong here, like Fubo you find tends to be the best for this, for, well, for the I, local I like, solving. I like, Fubo, I mean, YouTube TV will do, do I like Fubo because especially as an Apple TV person, they've got like multi-view and they've got some, right. other, their interface is really nice and YouTube's a little bit behind, at least on on the Apple TV box, which I use. And uh, and and it used to have a little more channel differentiation. There's not as much now. They're, they're all sort of like equally ex- expensive. But you're right. Part of me, I mean, I joke about like, boy, feels Hulu like, and you said Spulu. Honestly, I wonder, like, this is so close to just being a sports version of YouTube TV or Hulu Plus with live TV that I, I kind of wonder if, in the end, that's all it is. Is well, this is, is that right? Like they and Disney could potentially Disney's got the most advanced tech of all three of these companies. Disney Disney could potentially provide the back end tech, and that back end tech could literally be a clone of Hulu Plus Live TV that is focused on sports from a marketing standpoint. It might not even be that different from a product standpoint, but more from a marketing standpoint. Well, this is this is exactly it. Like there is a component when when this news broke. I was in the middle of um of my puck piece being edited. It was about Paramount Plus and this news broke. And I was like, okay, I'm gonna throw something up top. Uh if for first subscribers to the newsletter, there there's a little bit up top that goes into the newsletter that doesn't make it to like the website. And so the thing the questions that I had to what Jason was saying about like the Hulu component is if 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 diehard media fans are listening to this, they'll remember. There was a lot of issues with Hulu because there was like multiple heads of ownership, right? And so when Hulu was being run by Jason Kalar, who, by the way, I imagine is sitting somewhere and it's kind of like, see, like, like I told you, like, like this is kind of where we were going. But when it was run by Jason Kalar, Jason and his team wanted to get into originals much earlier. So remember that, like, on the timeline schedule here, that like Hulu was one of the first SVODs, even beating out like Netflix. Um, but it was one of the last SVODs compared to Netflix and Amazon Prime Video that really got into original programming. And this was because for the longest time, the various owners, which, by the way, included uh, Disney, <laughs> Turner, which is they'll become Warner Brothers Discovery, and Fox, and Fox. <laughs> to, yep. name, to, and to name a few, um, they didn't know what it was. Some of them saw it as like a place to drop next day programming. So like if Law and Order SVU air, you were like, OK, well, well, that's on NBC and then we'll like we'll throw it on on Fox. Right. Because because Comcast also had a part, you know, some of them saw it as a place to just throw a library and make additional revenue. Some were kind of into the idea of the original content, but didn't really know what it was. So there was all these concerns about the strategic direction of the site, excuse me, of the platform. 
and what it was supposed to be doing, that by the time Hulu got around to doing anything, it was already behind, despite the fact that it actually had a, con- a competitive advantage. And my concern here, and I wrote this in the puck column, is like, who is building this? Who is running it? Yeah. Who, like, who is taking the vast majority of revenue for bringing in, like, like if we think about this even just on a level playing field, Disney brings more to this than WBD does. Like, like Disney, ESPN sure. has, brings football. So does, you know, Fox. Like, they bring a, a sport that, w, that WBD cannot. Disney brings uh, a lot of basketball and hockey in a way that WBD doesn't really. And so, uh, you know, Fox has a lot of additional sports. They do horse racing. They've got a lot of college sports. And so, like, who is getting, like, how does this revenue breakdown look compared to what you're investing into it? And I think for me, the biggest question I have with this is that it feels like the margin for potential on subscriber activity is relatively low. I think you probably get eight, nine million subscribers kind of topping out, uh, especially because we have no word on whether like ESPN, like what happens with ESPN OTT. We have no idea what happens with Bleacher Report Sports on Max. Like we yeah. don't know what's happening in that capacity. And also there is this level of, okay, if that's where this really exists, we know if, if it really is going to be eight, nine million, like why do this in the first place? And the only thing I can think of, which to their credit, they've been very upfront about these executives, is that sports rights are so expensive. And this gives them an opportunity to say, okay, well, because it's on a shared platform, maybe we go in and split some of these costs of these rights and we have access to them and we keep it out of Amazon and Google and Apple. And the other thing, and this is where I would put a lot of my money, is that Fox and WBD, and I realize this is going to sound controversial on the WBD side. So Jason, interested in your thoughts. All right. Fox and WBD are not in the long-term operator game. I don't think either of them are. I think WBD will play the direct consumer game a little bit longer. Fox has like really no interest in it. This is like Fox's first major foray outside of like Tubi and like Fox Nation, mm-hmm. right? So like that's 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 their thing. Disney does, and I think Disney is the most at um, most vulnerable here. So like Disney sees this as a way of setting up a, cu- a, a one a customer experience, a customer education, and a actual technological system to start being the go-to director of sports traffic. I think that is Disney's play of like, okay, we have to understand how people are operating, how we can create a world in which we are designating where people are going and we're getting a cut of that before Amazon does, which I spoke about in our last podcast. This feels like that to me more than anything else, Mm -hmm. but I'm interested in your thoughts, Jason. I think you're right. I I think this reads like Bob Iger, you know... He Bob Iger came back and it was like, oh boy, Bob Iger, he's got a really, he's got a mess on his hands and it's sort of of his own creation, either firsthand or secondhand and all of that. And then uh, this last few weeks, and we're going to talk about some other Disney moves in a, in a little bit. Um, he has, I, I think he has formulated a plan of attack and he is now um, putting all those things in, into uh, account and we'll see what happens. Right. But like, I look at this and I think this is a, a Disney play. Um, it, it might ultimately preempt the ESPN uh, linear via streaming thing entirely, depending on this product is it does feel Mm -hmm. like to me, like ESPN is the primary brand here. Fox, it's a way for Fox makes sense, right? Fox. Yeah. It's a way for Fox to get more money out of the, the properties that they're currently not really streaming. It gives them another, another line as, as cord cutting accelerates and will even potentially be accelerated further by this product. 
Uh, Fox gets another revenue stream for its its sports revenue. So great. And Warner Brothers Discovery, yeah, we could debate what their long term plan is, but they they're they are a, almost a vertical because so much of it is about uh, they've got a little bit of baseball and they got some they got the NBA yeah. and a little college basketball, but it's like it's not a it's not a huge play. I look at this and I think. First off, I, I saw a report that said the way that this is going to work is that the uh, that the owners are going to be compensated basically like it's a cable company where like ESPN is going to get X dollars and it's going to be a match to the dollars that they get on cable. So they're, they're literally very cable like in how this is going to be set up. And that's how they can get around some of their uh, their contracts with cable companies is that is that it's like a VMPVD. You're paying ESPN what you pay ESPN if you're a cable company. Okay, that's right. weird, but I understand why you might want to do that that way. I also they haven't talked about it, but it, it strikes me that one of the things that you're probably going to have here is add-on channels like how YouTube TV has NFL Sunday Ticket, and I think that this is is Iger's way of trying to create something that is the uh, the go-to product for sports fans that if he can play it right, will include add-on products that will allow you to accumulate further. Like if they make, if they have a partnership with MLB, um, they could say, we will let you for pay this extra amount of money and your local MLB team pops into the same service. Right. And, and you can do that. And I know Amazon is trying to do that and Google is trying to do that, but it's being an aggregator of other services. So you pay a, a flat fee to get in the door with a collection of channels, which by the way, I wouldn't be surprised if it also includes non-sports channels and it's, it really is just cable. Um, but even if it's just, uh, the sports channels from all of this, you play, pay that to get in the door, but then they can market you all of the other stuff that is is resellable to you. And that might get you above 50% to 70% of the sports that's out there. And and in the long run, if it's such a prominent thing, and I'll, I'll just throw this out there too, if it borrows the ESPN brand, which it could, it could, depending on how heavy Disney is on this, um you may put pressure on NBC and CBS and other rights holders to at the very least make their sports offering also available as an add-on inside this thing. It's, I don't, I don't know what of that will actually happen, but I think everybody is sort of anticipating this idea that, you know, you got to picture the world when cable is nothing but an internet protocol. Right. (laughs) And what does that look like? And what do people want to watch on TV? And a lot of it is streaming services. And we've got that part down. And the other part is live sports. And it's like, can you own that? And ESPN on itself on its own is powerful. But like ESPN with all the Fox properties and all the like the TNT and TBS stuff, Turner Sports thrown in, like it gets more and more interesting. So I I feel like there's a there's a big move going on here and i i think one clue to that is the fact that they didn't talk to comcast about it <laughs> right well i think i think too i mean that's a, that's a great point like the fact that comcast is not included and they are the largest uh cable distributor but i i think too what really gets to me about this announcement where like the great rebundling has been happening for the last kind of mm-hmm. 18 months um it will continue to happen yeah. as 
a lot of these companies realize I that feel like most this of is their the best the biggest flag of the great rebundling ever is right. this move well, right <laughs> right and it, and, it, and it's almost like this this acknowledgement or because they've recognized it for forever right and now they're and and they've remarked on it and now it's like this acknowledgement that most content and most audience behavior is seasonal like it just tends to be We've talked about this on the podcast, like the pay TV ecosystem worked because it was one place like you no matter what season you were interested in of your type of content, it was there. So if you were like a football person, you have six, seven, eight months where that you don't have football on. But there's enough, whether you're a history buff or you're a news buff or whatever it is, there's other stuff within one system. So you paid for it. and You kind of added on these channels. And I think within this direct consumer um uh, when when they try to segment everything, they very quickly realize that if you are spending this amount of money, right, X amount of money in order to bring in a customer, so that is your customer acquisition cost, you called SAC in the industry. If you're spending this much money to bring that customer in and the, the lifetime value, the LTV ratio, so there's a lot of accounting happening right now, but that LTV ratio, right, was not as high. If, if you had a customer that came in for 50% of the time, 25% of the time, you only had 25% of the customer, right? You couldn't actually evaluate the, the the proper revenue structure and therefore um, strategic uh, implementations that you want to do from a business plan perspective in order to really get to the point where you're like, I'm going to create consistent profit um, versus you could do that in pay TV. Well, on the one hand, you weren't, if you were a supplier, like you were at Disney, you were not in charge of distributing it. You just supply the content, you negotiated it. And so you kind of already knew where you were coming in on based off of affiliate fees and advertising. And so this idea that seasonality affects average consumers and you include that within sports, keep in mind that, again, between these three players and this new service, that still only accounts for 55 percent of like all sports within yeah. the U.S., right? Like like it's still only half of sports. And so, yes, it's like a bunch of sports. Um, The, the joke I like to keep making is that if you have Peacock, Paramount Plus and this new service, you will actually be able to just watch all of your Sunday football on streaming if you want. Yeah. And that's more expensive than just having brought an antenna. Right. Like mm-hmm. like you could actually just get an antenna for twenty five dollars and 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 you'd have access to the broadcast right. and networks or, that have the games or just pay for cable. Right. That That is the, the challenge here. Right. Is you get this and Peacock and Paramount Plus. And at that point, you just replicated your cable bill, if not more. But but the issue, which is what Jason and I have talked about in the show, is like you almost like to, to Jason's point, it almost feels like I'm going to go back to cable, except that if you were interested in let's say hypothetically the new show everyone's talking about 90% of the time now that's gone on streaming service that's yes. no longer on cable cuz they stop they stop playing it there so you're still going okay well i still need access to netflix or prime video or disney plus or or hulu or whatever or or max cuz i need access to this type of show right. and so i think this is the, the 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 best comparison i keep making with this and i feel bad for saying it cuz i do really respect bob Iger a lot but there was a moment on on um I can't remember if it was in the earnings call or if it was in the CNBC interview kind of just after earnings came out. Um, but they were talking about the the kind of Disney and Epic investment, which we're going to get into. But they were talking about that. And at one point, Bob Iger said something along the lines of basically like, yeah, we realized that, you know, games are really important and they're kind of the future. And I'm like, it is 2024. Like you yeah. realize this now? Like like this is and now. But which is kind of like. All these streaming service, all these companies being like circa 2017, 2018, hey, this streaming thing's not going away. Like, we got to get into it. And so I think with sports, they are trying to disrupt before they get disrupted. But it's really complicated because there's a lot of money that you're spending on on other areas of your streaming business. You're still trying to create a profit. You're still trying to sort out, you know, deals with with companies like the NBA. You're still trying to figure out what consumers really want. And you're still trying to figure out if, if you're not a Disney or an Amazon or Google or Netflix – 
do you even want to be a direct consumer? Like, like, do you still want to be in that world? And I think I agree with you, Jason. The last thing I'll say about this, this is where um, one of my, you know, personal heroes, he's a personal hero to many of us, is um, a writer named Ben Thompson. He's a great analyst, fantastic <laughs> writer. I'm sure many, many people here subscribe to him. And um, where I disagree with him is that I think Fox is in a great position here because I think Fox is aware that their 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 business is declining, right? And that's a problem. Like they have to figure that out. At the same time, they're not as bullish on the DTC operation. They're kind of looking at a lot of money, a lot of people spending a lot of money and not being able to strike a profit and going like, I don't know what to do with it. So them taking a 30% equity in this in the service where they get to collect data on what consumers are watching, where they get to see what pe- brings people in, how long they keep them, where the ad money, where, where how to place the ad money. And either make 30% of a profit, which would be great, or only be liable for 30% of that investment, I think is a safer way of still testing the waters as their linear side, which is, you know, declining, but not the end of the world declining, as they really try to figure out in the way that Sony kind of took a step back and Sony was like, how do we want to play this game a little bit? And so I think Fox will be the really interesting piece of the puzzle here, even more so than Disney, which is very clear with its ambitions in terms of wanting to be a sports operator, WBD, which kind of feels like it's floating in the middle and trying to just grasp onto any floating door that they can find, right? And use a Titanic reference. Um, and so Fox, to me, is like there's there's a lot of power within Fox that I'm very curious about. But I, I just can't see a reason for this thing when there are 20 other ways to get the same form of content from the same, like, it, it just doesn't make any sense to me. So I'm I'm anxiously awaiting the news that, like, ESPN Plus, which has, like, 25 million subscribers, but only, of like, 5% of which are actually active, like, shuts down or something, yeah. right? And they, like, move, and they, like, move those subscribers over here. Like, yeah. like, like something's got to happen. I don't think ESPN Plus is going to survive because I think that it's going to get rolled into other things. Um, but it is... Yeah, I okay. Like, there's so much here because also there's a question of like, these are competitors who who compete for sports rights, and they outbid each other for sports rights, and the leagues love that. But do they do that here? Are they what are they right. bidding for? Are they bidding for a a better share of the revenue from out of this joint venture? Is this joint venture really a scheme to collapse these three bidders down into one? Does the joint venture bid on its own for things? Presumably not, but it is it's a very weird scenario here that that um I wonder about like yeah, suppressing rights fees which has got to make the leagues nervous. None of the leagues heard about this in advance either. This was announced with, and, a, and a surprise to them too. So that's a that's a question of like, is this a way to just suppress rights fees by rolling, you know, lashing these, right. these groups together? I, but I don't know. I look at this and I think these companies are concerned about bigger opposition. And you've mentioned them. Google and Amazon, especially two experienced aggregators of content on the internet and it's almost like this joint venture is a hedge against having to compete with google and compete with amazon and is it possible that that you know it ends up that you're either in this thing or you're in youtube tv um, or you're on amazon and you're buying amazon channels i don't i don't know it it is it's a super weird story i don't know where this is going to go part of me wants to say that this is going to just be nothing uh, part of me wants to say that it's going to be Hulu with live TV, but sports, which is 
it's it's a, a wrapper on a bundle, right? Like it, it could just be literally, what if we made a version of this and marketed it to sports fans with a sporty name? It could be that that's all it is. Um, I don't know. I don't know. It, it, it especially since ESPN presumably is going to do its own thing separately. And I always thought that the ESPN brand would be a wonderful way to start to try to get as much sports as possible under one roof. Yep for streaming yeah. and now they're going to have this other thing too if that's what the plan is i i don't know somebody somebody said this to me today and i haven't been able to stop thinking about it and we were talking about the, this bundle and i said you know i just don't understand like the long-term ramification like i'm trying to think through like the long term because the short term feels a little bit easier to navigate even though it's complicated than the long term and they said to me these are decisions made by people who do not have 20 more years in this industry. Oh, that's like they're for, not thinking that's about sure. it. That's right. For like sure. they're, they're not 40. They're like Bob Iger well, is 73, 74. They, like, honestly, if they made a decision down, for 10 years, hence they, they would not survive that time. Even if they were young, you know, you well, can't, that's that. They would that's have to keep exactly their job. It. Well, that's exactly <laughs> it. And so, but it was interesting because he, like my friend, who said this, you know, I was thinking about it and it was this idea that it was me I'd been thinking about because um, Matt Bellany, who's my colleague at Puck, had written this great piece like months ago that was effectively like, where are all the young studio heads? Yeah. Like, like, like studio heads used to be 35, which mm-hmm. is 35 a great age for a studio. Who knows? But you're more innovative. You're more in tune with a younger audience or you're not more innovative. You tend to take more risk. Like you tend to kind of be like, like, let's do it. I've kind of had this little bit of this complex of nothing can go wrong, although I understand the responsibility. Yeah, you're making this your name. Yeah, I get it. Right. It's why it's why that's why the army loves 18 year olds, right? 18 year olds think they're like in, like nothing will ever happen. And so like there's this idea of, OK, you're 35. You want to make your name. And so Matt argued in his piece, like the uh, the young studio heads are gone. The old studio heads, we don't know if they're listening to the younger guys who are right. trying to compete for that job that like no longer exists. And so wh- who's making the, like how much does this affect what we consume? And of course, it affects everything. And I thought about that with this. And I yeah. was like. Like I like I have a very strong theory on like, you know, uh, on the way that we create content to then turn that attention given into attention gotten. And like that's the way that kind of social media has trained us to kind of interact with content and in a post social media world. What does that look like from a content standpoint? And so there's this aspect of you look at what a lot of cool sports apps are doing and sports content apps and none of that is here. This is just like we're going to migrate the audience because we assume that since we have the rights They'll follow to an extent. They're right. Right. I mean, like sport. That's why sports are expensive. They are very, very limited. They're very unique. But at the same time, this does what? This puts a Band-Aid on a boat that is leaking out of nine different holes. And you're only putting a Band-Aid on one of the holes. And I just think depending on the cost associated with this, depending on like who ends up running it, like I and and I, I like the Disney team a lot. I think they're full of extremely smart people. So they definitely see something that maybe like a lot of us don't. Um. But I'm just like flabbergasted at, yeah. at, at the idea that there's going to be like five ways to stream the same sports game. So I'm going to I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spin up my conspiracy theory a little bit further yeah. here and just say, well, first off, one way to look at this is. And let me let me sidebar for a second and just say one of the reasons sports rights co- cost what they do is that they are purchased by companies that have a 
a, a different motivator. It, it, right. It's you go to cable, the, their rights are worth more than they're going to make on the sports because they are trying to keep people from cutting the cord. Fox spent way more money than CBS was willing to offer on the NFL in the 90s because Fox needed to establish itself as a broadcast network. You have an ulterior motive. We talk about this all the time with Apple and Amazon and Google. They're playing a different game. It means that the, the money their financial calculation is totally different from somebody who just needs to make the money back on the ads. In fact, a lot of sports rights are purchased and they're, they run at a loss, but you're using it to promote other products. You're, you're using it to promote the rest of your network on broadcast, all those things, right? So the question number one then becomes like, well, in the long run, is that still going to be the case, especially if you look at something like this? And I would also say, I have a hard time looking at Fox and Warner Brothers Discovery in this scenario and not thinking that this is a clever way for three entertainment company CEOs who are looking at their regulatory environment and realizing that mergers aren't going to be approved, probably, for a lot of stuff. It's a way for Fox and Warner Brothers to basically get paid off by Disney to... Uh, in terms of equity in this company to pool their sports rights and sort of slowly fade away as Disney become and ESPN as a brand becomes dominant here. And that's what I I partially I think is like they can, they can run it into their existing businesses for a while. But it's also you could read this as being Fox and Warner Brothers Discovery kind of getting out of the business. Like, let let's let ESPN make our money on on our existing sports rights. And when they lapse Will they, you know, Fox has broadcast as long as broadcast generates money. That's great. But, you know, you've got to have a streaming component. This is what this is. I don't know. It, it, there is something else here that we're missing. And I keep coming back to the fact that I'm not sure I believe that this is a strategy and ESPN as a separate streaming service is a strategy and that this is the ESPN strategy. And Fox and WBD have just decided that they're going to, you know, make some money and get bought off. Um, I don't know. Right. I don't know. It's we'll see what happens. I think like. I, it's it's fun to do the I mean this clearly Jason and I have been doing this now for ha- this many episodes like we like to do the after analysis <laughs> but it's one of those moments where I'm like I kind of need to see a little bit more yeah, and we don't know I enough. bring this yeah. and I bring this up with friends who are like I don't consider myself a reporter by any means and I bring this up with friends who are reporters and it's so funny because they're rightfully like they're so great and they're smart but they'll rightfully so be like uh, we'll go find out and I'm like I'm not going to do that yeah. like, I, like I I don't have the energy to go and do that like you find out you, you tell it. me like mm-hmm. and then and then I will try to do some analysis on it but yeah like until then I think I love the idea of of trying to see what the future of sports media looks like. So I think that will be a lot. Jason and I, before we got on, we started recording, we're talking about, you know, watching stuff on the vision pro. I was just checking in with our resident Apple Mm -hmm. uh, Lord here and that's seeing his, his thoughts on it. And Jason was like, you know, you can see, he's like, I can see a world in which like hardcore basketball fans, if they could sit courtside, like they would buy this. Like, like this is a huge next step for, for the NBA. And I, and like that to me, I don't know how you feel about this, Jason, although I have an idea since you are our Apple Lord here. Um, I think like that to me is more exciting because to me, I'm like, that that's moving it like that moves it forward. Well, that is like, yeah. OK, let's here's here's what sports can look like. This just feels like you bought a house and the lot started to get a lot of a, a lot of weeds and people stopped coming by it. And there was an open lot across the street. 
And you're like, cool, I'm going to go build, build a house over there. It doesn't fix that. That house probably will also get weeds that you have to figure out. It just moves the what people are looking at yeah. for a period They're of time. rearranging deck chairs. This is all about you're, like you're arranging build, deck chairs, building yeah. a bridge. And, and then and the, the thing I keep coming back to is the the rights aren't forever. So building a bridge so that cord cutting as it as it accelerates until there is no essentially no linear TV and it's all just services on your internet connection. Like, okay, that's good. But it, to your point, what does this look like in 20 years? Sports rights aren't forever. What are the sports rights like? Uh, and, and when they expire and then they're up for bid again, who is bidding then? And, and what kind of programming is that going to be? And yeah. do the leagues want to go direct to consumer at that point? Would they be better off eliminating these middlemen? And that comes back to, it, well, not if somebody else has an ulterior motive to overpay for sports rights. And maybe that is not going to be traditional entertainment companies at all. Or maybe it's just Disney with ESPN. And then they're bidding against Apple and yeah. Amazon and Google who have the ulterior motives to drive up the price. I don't, you know, in the end, I feel like there is going to be a, also a shortfall in sports rights that you can't bank on there always being another bigger fish to overpay oh, yeah. for your rights. At some point, they're going to stop overpaying for your well, rights. The thing but is, it hasn't happened yet. And and I and I wrote this in a, in a separate column, but uh, like I I was talking about kind of sports docs, like the documentaries around sports, and how right. a lot of companies like like the Netflix approach, right? A lot of companies are now trying to follow the Netflix approach because it's cheaper to do the documentaries, which are often produced in partnership with the leagues, who like will tend to handle marketing and like they 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 save a lot of cost on it um, to have something that is sports like but not sports. And the thing I pointed out is like. An average NFL game, even like a Thursday night, gets like 12 million views, right? I mean, Hard Knocks does one twentieth of that. Like, right. like it does, it doesn't come close. It doesn't matter that you have access to some form of something. People want access to this very specific thing. And the NFL is like the last American monoculture. Like it, it, it's it. Like, like the NBA, the NBA averages like 1.7, 1.8 million p, uh, uh, viewers per game. WWE Raw, WWE SmackDown it sits at about 1.9 million. You're looking at that compared the NHL's really low. The NHL sits closer to like 1.3, 1.4 compared to the, to the NFL, which of course, different style, right? There's only 18 games per team versus, you know, anywhere between 50 and like 100. And then, and then the MLB's its own situation. Right. But you look at that and you're like, you, you it's just you're at some point there's only so many sports that are worth what you're spending on it but the cost of sports is going to continue inflating because we're in this streamflation moment of like well we want access to some form of sports we'll we'll put money on it. it's like it's, it's the f1 story it's the nascar story and there's more players coming in to say we'll take a piece of it and i just think like the the thinking about what the future of sports looks like because sports is so crucial to kind of that active consumption and advertising and, and even that e-commerce conversion, like all of that world and creating like programming around certain slates is so vital. But the way that these legacy companies are going about it is the most boring way of doing it. <laughs> and yeah. like I, I'm just like it's what makes me excited about Apple, which is like less excited about the MLS deal, which is like, OK, cool. They have the MLS. That's fine. But more excited about like, oh, well, now they're figuring out maybe the next wave of computing. And like, how does that actually work with the MLS? Like like that all of a sudden gets very exciting, especially as we think about, you know, typical Apple, right? Like once the headset goes from V1 to like V6 and it's cost you like $600, right? Like it comes down in price and you're you're on a plan and it's like doing its thing. Um, that's where I think the future of sports feels like it's headed. Mm. Um, also, the future of sports probably... 
much more interactive and vertical in a way to, to an extent, right? Like for younger generations, kids. And my, my plea is for a lot of these executives who, again, are not thinking 20 years down the road. They're thinking like five years, right? They're thinking like, like 18 months. They're like, we're trying to get Wall Street on our side, like 18 months. Like my thing is hire 25 year olds mm. and, and listen to them. Like, like, how do you watch sports? What sports do you care about? Would you sign up for this? versus this other thing and what you're going to hear because i talk to you know 25 year olds all the time is one pirating sports never been easier and it's in 4k so they're not paying for a lot of sports two they're more they're out of bars they're not really drinking gen z drinks less than the other generation which i love like that's great but they're, they are at bars like they're, they're trying to create social they're trying to create social um exercise so they're out of bars so they're not paying for for games there when they are at home if they're local fans, they've got some form of access to like a Bally DTC thing so they can get access to their team. And if they are national fans, then they're rewarded through a larger thing like YouTube TV, which they split with eight people. And so it is like, what are you trying to do and who are you trying to solve for? And then how does that play out 20 years from now? Like, what is the customer education that we're doing now that pays off 20 years from now? Netflix started with the ability to stream library content. The idea was just getting them attached to the idea of streaming. Then four years later, they were like, we're going to make original content. And then they did that. And so by the time you get to Netflix now, compared to Netflix 15, 20 years ago, totally different company, right? Like, like yeah. it's, it is like, but they had to do the customer education training. And I think that is missing. And I think that's like a concern for me when I, when I think about this. Yeah, for sure. Keep an eye on it. Let me take a break and tell you about our sponsor. This episode of Downstream is brought to you by Factor. Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals make eating better every day. Whatever you've got planned, be ready with pre-prepared, chef-crafted, and dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. You'll have over 35 options a week to choose from, including keto, calorie-smart, vegan, and veggie, and more. There's over 55 nutrition-packed add-ons that help make your weekly meal planning even more delicious. Don't delay any longer. Get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. Now, Factor has sent a couple of boxes to my house, and let me tell you, it's gone really well. Like, literally, my wife is stealing my food. She's stealing the, the Factor meals because she works outside of the house and she has to bring a lunch. And guess what? She doesn't want to bring a lunch. She wants to take a Factor meal with her. And they're so good because the quality is really good. You reheat them. You can microwave them. Um, how is it that they're, they taste so good microwaved? Because whenever I try to microwave something, it tastes terrible. I don't know. Really good. My wife steals the meals. What can I tell you? Uh, the quality ingredients really shine through. There is so much to love about Factor. Meals are ready in just two minutes. Fuel up fast with restaurant quality meals. This is what my wife tells me after she steals them. They're ready to heat and eat whenever you are. You can get snacks, smoothies, and more, too, if you want to. Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast and midday bites. And it's a win-win. Factor is less expensive than takeout. Every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Flexible for your schedule, too. Get as much or as little as you need. You can choose from 6 to 18 meals per week. And, of course, pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. There's no prep. There's no mess. Factor Meals are 100% ready to heat and eat. Go to factormeals.com slash downstream50 and use the code downstream50 to get 50% off your first box and two free wellness shots per box while subscription is active. That's code downstream50 at factormeals.com slash downstream50 to get 50% off your first box and two free wellness shots per box while your subscription is active. Thank you to Factor for supporting Downstream and all 
of Relay FM. Um, before we go, a few letters. Um, I have two letters. One is from Brett, who says, "Why is it that uh, as a U.S. subscriber to all of the major SVOD services, I am able to watch my local NBC and CBS stations live, but not ABC or Fox?" I'll say, "Wouldn't adding ABC to Disney Plus or Hulu make that service more compelling, generate revenue for local affiliates, and make the Oscars available to younger b- viewers?" Got it. Brett's got a point. <laughs> um. Yeah, so this was I brought this up because as everyone has, like you're like yourself, Brad. It's, it's like the most obvious thing. It's some kind of contractual issue. Like I was talking to Bellany about this at Puck, and he didn't. I, I can't remember exactly what he said, but it was like some form of like there's a con- contractual there's issue. A con- that, uh, yeah, that, there's a contract issue that is. Uh, yeah, there's some weird ABC contractual yeah. issues because there's some ABC programs that have ads, even if you have no ads on Hulu. And my understanding is that that too was a very specific contractual issue. Um, but, but Brett's right. It does make sense. Like one of the things of you should do is get your local TV on streaming somewhere to someone yeah. because then yeah. people can see it. But, um, but perhaps also like no one's watching these, like that's the thing with the award shows is like, you might as well put them places because no one's watching them. Otherwise we've had a really yeah. good from a qualitative standpoint. So I'm not looking at viewership, although viewership has been pretty good. Like, the Grammys were great. The Emmys were great. Like we actually have had a couple of really good award shows when typically they're they're not great. Mm-hmm. The Golden Globes, I mean, continue to be the Golden Globes. It was up against the Buffalo Bills game. Like that's yep. rough. But like with the with the Oscars, your your audience is like like in six, seven, eight million. Like like it's not much. I, it was a great quote from my from my uh, colleague Peter Hamby over at Puck. He was on um, John Favreau's uh, offline podcast talking about media, and at one point he was talking about like. You know, you look at like MSNBC, sometimes they're hitting like 200, 300,000 people. He's like, you're kind of talking about like a Rose Bowl situation, right? He's like, you're kind of like, you're not getting much bigger than this in terms of the people around the country watching your stuff. Yeah. And I think about this with the Oscars where I'm like, put it on YouTube, man. You charge $2. The right people will pay $2 or, or, or don't even charge it. Put it for free. Have it with 50 partnered simulcasting creators. And then you split up your, you bring in additional ad revenue. You take an extra percentage, like whatever it is. Bring it to the platform that I know you're terrified of, but where people are actually going to go to watch content. It just doesn't make sense yeah. to me. But anyways, yeah. Well, that's the Oscars, Oscars is one of those things that maybe there's a contractual thing, but I would say they should just put it on Hulu as a stream, right? Live, stream it live on Hulu, not next day, live on Hulu for all the cord cutters who still want to watch the Oscars because they're not going to guess what they're not going to subscribe to YouTube TV just to watch the Oscars that's not going to happen you got to capture them some other way all right this is from Christopher who says how are the streamers thinking about piracy what does piracy look like in the age of streaming is using a VPN to get different content considered piracy love to your mother's chris in LA thank you chris what do you think what 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 is the piracy conversation like when streamers think about piracy it's a huge issue. It's massive. Like, I mean, you can tell it's massive because they're not only trying to figure out piracy, they are cracking down on password sharing, right? Like, like they're like, this is a, a problem for us. Um, it's also a big issue with the sports leagues, right? Like I, I was mentioning earlier. Yeah. Um, the, the issue is not so much that like piracy is is increasing so much as the barrier to entry on piracy is so much lower than it's ever been because you can go to apps like um, Streamio or whatever, which are designed to look like Netflix. Like, remember when 
Not that Jason and I have ever pirated in our lives. We are law-abiding citizens. Oh, but, yes. you know, you you could. You've been back in the day, right? Like, you still had to get, like, a torrent. It was, like, a whole thing. Like, it, it, the quality you weren't sure of. You weren't even sure if it was, like, in English, right? Like, like there was you, – you were kind of going in blind. And you're like, well, hopefully this goes well. Or you relied on friends. Um, Again, I've never done this. But you would rely on friends who were good at it, and then they would give you stuff. And now mm-hmm. it's like you just go to Streamo. You log in for free. It's there. Plex servers. People literally put on your TV. You open up your TV. It's it's there. Um, and the issue is that the quality of this programming has gotten so much better. So, like, again, with sports, you're getting, like, 4K sports pirated, like, live. Like, it, it's just, like, that's really difficult um, to figure out. The issue is, like, it, it, how do you stop it? Right? Like, right. It's, it's, it's out. Like, once it's out there, it's out there. So I think this is where... The question becomes less so like, how do we prevent piracy? Obviously, they do some password sharing crackdown, like they do some stuff there. But how do we prevent piracy and more? Well, how do we make our experience so good that people are like, I will pay for this? Um, a great example of this is as lame as it sounds, Netflix, right? Like like Netflix is a decent experience and people are like, I'll pay for Netflix. Like out of all my streamers, I'll pay for Netflix. Like I use it. I use it quite often. The the it the it, it, the algorithm knows exactly what I want. There's enough new content that's surfacing. I've got my games in there mm-hmm. on mobile. Like they're like, here's an experience to go in, and, and I'm, I'm I'm willing to pay for it. I see the value, and I think there's less focus on from a lot of these other guys on like, okay, well, what's the experience? But beyond the content, the content no longer matters. Well, I shouldn't say that. I'm gonna get a bunch of angry emails. Content does matter, but like be like, it's no longer the 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 thing. It's it, sports is like the last remaining festival of that. It's mm. like. If, if if the content itself can be accessed anywhere for mo- easy to and ent- easy to get access to from some of these apps available on the fly almost right after it's done airing live or whatever it might be it premieres why should someone come to your app in a sea of apps what do they get out of yeah. it and i think netflix has put more thought into that than a lot of others and and that will hopefully be something that encourages other companies to do the same thing um but it's yeah like so yes to answer your question christopher uh very worried about it don't really know what to do about it and it's kind of this ongoing conversation that like the music industry has less of this issue right because most people have access to, like some form of spotify like, like they like it's uh, all of the labels are in one place yeah but so you but 20 years ago it was a huge right. problem that's exactly it so i think like what happened was is there's this issue within video entertainment of everything is fragmented, right? Yes. So if you have all the streaming services, you're paying more than you are paying for cable and you can't just have cable because all the good entertainment is on the streaming services. Spotify, Apple Music, there's a few others globally. Spotify, I think, has the largest market share. Yeah. Um, relatively cheap for, for and, and all the labels and are Everything on is so there. Yeah. Everything is there. And so, and also like the playlist things are great. They, they have now the like whatever time of day you can go to check and it's like, oh, here's what you usually listen to at like 2 p.m. Yeah. And it's got like a playlist for you. Like they're good at saying, here's the experience for you to sign up with us instead of Apple, because we realize that all the music is available on all these streaming services. But also you're going to it's it's cable like you're going to get everything you need in here. So it's 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 it's, it's harder for, for the TV side now because they're like, well, we realize we're expensive. And that's why. In the great thesis of this episode, the great rebundling is happening. <laughs> like it's this kind of understanding that almost feels like a no-brainer, but you know you're trying to innovate. Um, so piracy issue will continue to be an issue. They will not solve it by cracking yeah. down on piracy. Now piracy is always going to exist. Um, yeah. The the biggest uh, way to beat piracy is convenience, uh, because people don't want to spend time 
I mean, you 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 beat like the ones that make it really easy. You you set your legal dogs against them and you try to put them out of business. And that's your Napsters of the world. Right. But otherwise, think about what Steve Jobs said when he launched uh, iTunes music purchases. He said, you know, we're going to we're going to be reliable and convenient. It's going to have good metadata. You're going to know that you're going to be able to get it. It's going to be full quality. You're not going to get something weird. It's going to it's going to be reliable and convenient and a good experience. And, you know, iTunes music purchases didn't solve music piracy, but they diverted a huge number of people for whom the Napster experience was not that great, like really unreliable. And and especially as people get older and they're they're no longer like in college, they got a job, they've got a little bit of money and they start to make that calculation of, do I want to go through all this effort to get something that's going to be kind of cheesy potentially in terms of quality? Or could I just spend a little bit of this money that I now have and just get it immediately? Uh, and you're right. Netflix just makes it easy. Right. Because they've yeah. got so much, such a breadth of content. And it's we're never, I don't think, going to have a Spotify, the ultimate bundle of all content for video. I don't think that's going to happen. But like the best, best experiences are going to help people not yeah. pirate your stuff. That's the bottom yeah. line. All right. If you have a question for us, you should go to downstreamfeedback.com. Love to your mothers. We love to hear from you. If you are not a Downstream Plus subscriber, this brings us to the end of the show. In the Downstream Plus version, we talked about Disney investing in Epic Games and what is the deal with Disney gaming. We talked uh, Sports Corner about MLB stuff and NBA Vision Pro stuff. We talked about the top-rated shows and Nielsen. Uh, there was there was a lot of stuff in there, and you didn't get to hear it. Every other episode, most of the show is available just for supporters. To support us, go to downstream.plus. You'll get full versions of every episode, access to the very nice people at the Relay FM Discord, bonus shows from Relay FM, and a whole lot more. But that brings us to the end of this episode. You can find Director of Strategy Julia at ParrotAnalytics.com and Puck.News and Loudmouth Julia on Twitter slash X. You can find me at SixColors.com and I appear on many other podcasts at Relay FM and TheIncomparable.com. Thank you again for listening. Until next time, Julia, say goodbye. Goodbye. Enjoy your Spoolu. Enjoy, mmm, Spoolu. Spoolu. <laughs> 